The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Well, welcome. So today we are going to conclude our series on reaching out. Uh, But uh, let's dive straight into the scriptures uh, this morning. Uh, We're going to look at Luke chapter 14 from verse 16 to 23. I will read. This is from the New King James Version. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I don't know what that means. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Interesting. Okay. Excuse me. So everyone's making excuses. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. Go and compel them that my house may be filled. So that is the title of today's message. He wants his house to be filled. I'm just going to ask you to just take a second, just look around you, just for a second. Look around you. God wants his house to be filled. Now, three weeks ago, Pastor Jonathan talked about the why. If you remember, he talked about lust means lust. And, uh, and the time was running out. And this is so true both corporately and individually. Because, of course, corporately, Jesus is coming back someday. We know that. Okay? But individually... Our time is also running out. And um, only yesterday I was reminded of that because I had a call from uh, one of my uh, team in the U.S. to advise me that the guy who had done the road before him that I saw only as recently as March when I was there had passed away last night. And of course that was a a shock. I, I knew he wasn't well. Um, and he was getting treatment, but it wasn't to be that sudden. He only actually left in March. And then you start to think, that, did I do enough? Did I say enough? Could I have done something else? 
and it touches you, especially someone you know, uh, because let's be honest, we all think we have time. Yeah. We never think of the end. But time is running out. Lost means lost. And that's why there is an urgency. There is an urgency. And of course, a couple of weeks ago, we heard from Mark. He shared the story of the woman uh, that uh, took the opportunity of him swearing to, uh, to, to plant a seed, to sow a seed into his life. And um, which is, I mean, that, that's what we should do as Christians. We just take any opportunity that we can get to sow a seed, to plant a seed. And he also talked about Moses. Now, we all know Moses was very reluctant. He didn't want to go. You know? Why me? Now, you have to remember Moses, for 40 years, he was somebody. Then for 40 years, he was kind of nobody. And he was used to his life, as it was. And then for God to say, actually, now I want you to go and do this job. So, actually, I'm kind of comfortable where I am. I don't want the stress. I ran away from that stress. I don't want to go back to it. But God sent it. And I think, for me, it's really important that we do something rather than do nothing. I think sometimes, because we don't think we are fully ready, we do nothing. But as Mark rightly said, we never get to a situation where we are fully ready. So we have to do something. What I want to do today is just share with you some of the plans that we have uh, for reaching out as a church. Um, The first one I want to share with you uh, is that we want to reach every home within a 15-minute walk of BTC with the gospel. Now, just think about it for a minute. Every home within this building, that's about a mile radius of this church. Now, I have no idea how many homes <laughs> are in that radius. Probably 40, 50,000. That's a lot. That's a lot of homes. That's our vision. Every home within a 15-minute walk of this church. Now, is it ambitious? Absolutely. It is ambitious. It's really, really ambitious. (laughs) Considering where we are today, it's very ambitious. But you know what? Occasionally, when uh, when I'm thinking of something or there's something huge that I have to do, a thought always comes to my mind. More a question. And that question is always, What is your faith for? Because the things we do, let's be honest, generally day to day, we don't need faith for that. We get up in the morning, there's food in the fridge, you get to the bus stop, the bus comes on time, mostly, the trains come on time. You don't really need faith for all of that. So let me ask you, what are you using your faith for? Now, the kind of faith I'm talking about is the one that we find in Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Hebrews 11, 
sorry, verse 1. And in, my, uh, in the New Living Bible translation, it reads as this. First it asks, what is faith? And it says, it is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. It is the certainty that when we hope for, what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we cannot see it ahead. Now we know it goes on to talk about those great uh, uh, faith fathers of the past. You know, they couldn't see what God was telling them. I mean, Abraham, I mean, could he really see what, what God was showing him? No. So when we think about this vision, let's not think about where we are today. Let's not think about what we've done so far. Let's just think, right, God's very clear. Go and compel them because I want my house to be filled. And this is God's house. Every church is God's house. He's compelling us to go. Now, we are not looking at the massive vision. All we're going to look at is doing, taking one step, and two steps, and three steps, and four steps. That's what we should do. And let God do the rest. Now, many of you remember, or many of you would know that... Um, there's a redevelopment plan for this area uh, that will affect us, may affect who knows what the council's going to do, who knows when they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, but recently we had the opportunity to bid for a, a church and um, in the process of considering whether to bid, something kept coming back. And that something was God's placed us here, here, for a reason for a reason. And then we started to think, if that's the case, what are we actually doing with this place that we have? What are we doing? Because God's placed us here. And that's part of why we have this vision now. Okay, To go to those around us here, in this place that God's placed us, that we're going to take the gospel. Now, as I said, it's ambitious. But remember two scriptures. First, 2 Peter 3.9. God's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish. That's the first scripture to remember. The second one to remember, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are trusting God for this, not in our own strength. And Mark Dolloway has kindly agreed to lead this initiative. And um, this initiative of taking the gospel to our neighbors, like I said, it's a long-term vision. It's not a six months, it's not a one year, it's, not, it's a long-term vision. But at least it helps us to have focus on what we are going to do as a church. And I have to say, this will require participation from everyone. From everyone. Secondly, um, High Street Evangelism. Now, in the passage we wrote earlier, remember it said, go into the streets and the lanes. And that's what we are going to do. You remember Pastor Jonathan mentioned that um, we've got this pilot scheme that we've been running for some time, going to the high street, Pastor Jonathan and Mark, myself and Pastor William. And we've been doing that. Now, I haven't done that for a few weeks now. But I remember the last time we were out. And um, on a Saturday. And the Friday before that, uh, I'd been at a work event, 
Um, I think I'd got them late. I was, on that Saturday, I didn't feel spiritually or physically in any mood to be going and talking to people about the gospel. I just wasn't, yeah. So that morning, but I'd made a commitment to go. So that morning I, I prayed, honestly. I just said, Lord, I mean, there's nothing you don't know. I'm clearly not in the space or mood to be going out preaching the gospel, but I'm going to go. So it's over to you. And amazingly, that day, two people prayed the prayer of salvation. And, and I remember at the end, it was just a reminder from God that, look, it's not you. You're just the vehicle. It's not you. You don't have to have it prepared. You have no idea what is going to happen. You just put yourself there and God would do the rest. And it was just a reminder that it's not about the eloquence of words. It's not about, you know, you feel super, uh, super spiritual. The days I did feel super spiritual, nothing happened. <laughs> but today, clearly, it's not an excuse for me not to be prepared for doing God's work. But uh, it was just a reminder that it is God that does the work, not us. Not, not how we can, you know, explain the gospel. Now, moving on to the third thing. Personal evangelism. In the story of the Samaritan woman, there is something that strikes me. And it is how quickly how quickly she transforms her community just from that encounter with Jesus. If we read from John 4, 28 to 30, the Bible says, this is the New Living Translation, the Bible says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. She didn't even say he is the Messiah. She said, could he be? I don't know. But come and see. Come and see. That's all she said. She didn't explain anything spiritual. She just, she just shared her experience. Look, I met this guy. He told me this stuff. Incredible. Come, come and see for yourself. That's all she did. And what happened? Well, in John 4.39, it says, Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. And then they went and met Jesus themselves. And after that, we read in John 4.42, then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Now they're convinced. They weren't sure when they were going. Now they met Jesus. Now they're convinced. But for me, the interesting thing is, all she said was come and see. She didn't explain anything. Just come and see. Now, we all know Peter uh, in the Bible. Uh, one of the 
greatest influences of all time, long before social media had influences. He was a proper influencer. Yeah. Great influencer. Now, we can't do what Peter did. We may not be able to do what Peter did, but we can do what Andrew did. Andrew was the one that said to Peter, come and see. We've met this guy. Come and see. The same with Philip and Nathaniel. Philip met Jesus and found Nathaniel and said, come and see. And Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip didn't argue with him. Philip just said, come and see for yourself. And for me, personal evangelism, you don't always have to be able to explain, but just say, come. Come to church with me. Just come and see for yourself. That's all we have to do sometimes. But personal evangelism, let's think about it. It is the greatest way that we can push this gospel further. Because just imagine if half of the people in this room brought one person with them next week. Now, imagine the whole church doing that. Come and see. Just come and see for yourself. And sometimes that's all we have to do. Now, Charlotte has kindly agreed to help in this space. And it's really about thinking about the tools, events. What can we do to support all of us in reaching out to those around us? Come and see for yourself. Alpha program, as you know, we run alpha programs here. and We will continue to run alpha programs. Uh, we are going to run one in September. It's an opportunity to invite people. Come. Come and experience for yourself. And we'll continue to do that. Right. Prayer walks. I want to go on to prayer walks next. And for this, I'm going to share um, scriptures from Daniel. Daniel chapter 10, uh, from verse 1 to 12. Uh, Daniel 10, from 1 to 12. Now the Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, had another vision, and it concerned events certain to happen in future. Times of great tribulation, wars and sorrows, and this time he understood what the vision meant. When this vision came to me, Daniel said later, I had been in mourning for three full weeks, and all that time I tasted neither wine nor meat, and of course I went without desserts. I neither washed, nor shaved, nor combed my hair. Then one day, early in April, as I was standing beside the great Tigris River, I looked up, and suddenly there before me stood a person robed in linen garments with a belt of purest gold around his waist and glowing, lustrous skin. From his face came blinding flashes like lightning, and his eyes were pools of fire, his arms and feet shone like polished brass, and his voice was like the roaring of a vast multitude of people. I, Daniel, alone saw this great vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly filled with unreasoning terror and ran to hide, so I was left alone. 
When I saw this frightening vision, my strength left me, and I grew pale and weak with fright. Then he spoke to me, and I fell to the ground, face downward in a deep faint. But a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling, to my hands and knees. And I heard his voice, O Daniel, greatly beloved of God, he said, stand up and listen carefully to what I have to say to you. For God has sent me to you. So I stood up, still trembling with fear. Now this bit I'm actually going to read is the bit that my point is in. But I thought I'd just read the whole thing because I just, I just, yeah, sounds great. (laughs) Then he said to me, don't be frightened, Daniel, for your request has been heard in heaven and was answered the very first day you began to fast before the Lord and pray for understanding. That very day I was sent here to meet you, but for 21 days the mighty evil spirit who overrules the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the top officers of the heavenly army, came to help me so that I was able to break through the spirit rulers of Persia. The minute you started to pray, the answer was released, it says. But it wasn't for another three weeks because there was opposition in the heavenly realms. Opposition. Prayer, hugely important. I can't understand as Christians how we can go without prayer because we must be working on our own strength. Here we see a glimpse of a world we don't really see. You know, this is, it's not visible to us that here's Daniel who's praying and fasting and the minute he prays, God releases the answers to his prayers. But nothing's happening. Week after week, nothing's happening because there is opposition. Opposition. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul encourages them to put on the whole armor of God because, and we read this in Ephesians 6.12, because we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're not fighting against. When we go on the street or we go to uh, someone's home or we talk to a friend and, and, and they respond sharply in a negative way or whatever it is, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. As Christians, we need to recognize that. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. But on sin powers. And in my language, we, uh, we say um, something like, Kisho Julasson. Which I think in English you would say uh, there's more to something than meets the eye. In effect, what you see isn't always what is there to see. And that is why prayer is absolutely vital to everything that we're doing. And so we're going to institute prayer walks. And the idea 
is that before we go to a street, we will pray a walk the street. We will pray a walk the high street. We will use prayer to support evangelism, to support our reaching out, because we recognize and understand that we are not battling against people, but we're looking to bring into subjection, to submission, the powers and the rulers of darkness over the area. Because we recognize, if you remember when Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus wasn't calling Peter a Satan. But Jesus recognized the influence. And that's what we're doing. And Shei has kindly agreed to lead this initiative. God said he wants his house to be filled. And he said, go and compel them. When you compel someone, you are, you are strongly urging them to come. And that's what we want to do. We want to strongly urge the people around us to come. Time is running out. Our time on earth here is certainly closer than when Pastor preached, Pastor Jonathan preached three weeks ago. Both corporately and individually. Time is running out. Time is running out. And as Mark said a couple of weeks ago, we're never going to be in a position where we are fully ready. We shouldn't do nothing. We shouldn't do nothing because lives depend on it we must do something so I'm going to urge you however you feel now I'm not um, I remember growing up and uh, I, you know I was casting the play and when it was time to go on stage I, I legged it because I, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. That was not me. But the gospel compels. Jesus compels. I would rather, I mean, no one wants to talk to someone and they go, you know, go away, I don't want to talk to you. But the gospel compels. So I'm going to urge you. Please participate because lives depend on it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.